Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast. Can I just say how grateful I am that you are here with me, some of you every single week and some for the very first time today. I am astonished by the growth and dedication of this community. Friends, this month series feature marks the 20th of the In Awe Podcast, 20 series features with amazing women who have each inspired me and have impacted countless listeners. Sharing stories with you is such a joy, and I am so grateful when you join us here. This month's series is a feature on coaches. As Christine Kane says, to build a strong team, you must see someone else's strength as a complement to your weaknesses and not a threat to your position or authority. Women in this series support others to become their best versions, and I am ecstatic to bring their messages to you today. Let's get to our first. Sherry Sinclair is the founder of Reflective Learning LLC, an educational consulting agency based in Kentucky. Her organization works with schools around the world, creating specialized training and coaching services for school administrators and educators. Additionally, Sherry serves as a senior consultant for the International Center for Leadership and Education in Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. She holds a master's degree in instructional leadership, as well as rank one in instructional supervision. As an international consultant, Sherry draws from her rich experience at various levels of public education, teaching elementary school, being an administrator in a high school of 1,300 students, working as a state consultant, and creating and facilitating virtual courses. Sherry is a highly regarded national speaker and consultant, providing educational agencies with expertise in the areas of instructional leadership, effective classroom practices, classroom walkthroughs, effective use of data and guidance on how to create structures for successful classroom coaching. Coaching schools to be- is to best meet the needs of students is Sherry's passion. Sherry is a contributing author to the Effective Instructional Strategies Volume 2, published by the International Center for leadership and education. She has published numerous professional learning activity guides and facilitated webinar series focused on leadership and effective instructional practices. Additionally, Sherry developed virtual instructional workshops for the CTE Technical Assistance Center of New York in partnership with the successful Practices Network, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, and the School Superintendent Association. Sherry has recently been a part of bringing innovative practices to scale. Her latest publication, Coaching Redefined, A Guide to Leading Meaningful Instructional Growth, was released in June of 2019. We recorded this episode months ago, so part of our conversation is couched within that time frame of remote learning through COVID-19. Sherry's message is so authentic and generous, and we learn about her journey into launching her own business, her focus on students and her work of coaching schools and leaders, and she shares wonderful insight into the challenges and joys of coaching. I am honored that Sherry would have this conversation with me, and I am delighted to share with you Sherry Sinclair's coaching story. Welcome, Sherry St. Clair, to the In Awe podcast. I am so excited to have you featured and have my listeners get to know you better today through this conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here, Sarah. Sherry, and you and I have been connected through uh, social media for a little while, and I just have to tell you that every time I see you pop up in my feed, any interaction we have, it just brings me such pure joy and delight, and I'm just so thrilled to have you on this series because I think you're going to really be able to inspire people with your life story. So thank you for taking the time to join me. Well, thank you, Sarah. And and I truly mean this from the bottom of my heart. I follow your post as well. I love them. They are all inspiring to me and I couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of this podcast. 
It's the best part about this podcast is that I get to amplify incredible women. And so the one thing that I'm really excited about is that we are going to be having a really cool conversation about your life and about your story and about your message in normal times. But to get to that point, I was wondering if you would just kind of give our listeners a little bit of context right now in terms of how uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic is challenging and growing you. Um, If you'd like to share a little bit about that, that'd be great. Sure. Well, I think that probably like most parents, it is a juggling act. And with most business owners, it is a juggling act right now. And really an interesting one. I have two children at home who are doing online learning, and I'm trying to make sure that I am helping them as much as they need help, but also keeping business running forward. I feel like I have these really productive days. And then I have these days where if I can get a sock drawer sorted, I'm doing great. So it's been a a really interesting (laughs) for me, but um, I I love it. I love the time to reflect and um, to think about how I can serve others better when I do get back on the road and it's given me a little extra time to write. I um, think it has definitely made us reflect on the importance of relationships with students and staff, uh, any of those that we serve in schools and in our community, and the importance of face-to-face education for sure. So um, we are trying to deal on a daily basis with everything and um, just thankful for the time and thankful for safety uh, for most of all. Well, thank you for ending with that and kind of keeping it real because we all have our, you know, our human challenges. Um, we were talking in the pre-chat about the way that uh, this whole experience has slowed us down, you to a higher degree than than me. But in regard to just the, the traveling with the professional work that you do has completely halted. And so just keeping it back to that frame of um, safety and keeping that main thing, you know, the main thing is really good for us, I think, always, but but right now, probably more than ever. So we have you featured here on the Coaches series, and I love this series. I love what it represents, and I really, really love the work that you do. So um, as I shared in the bio, you've got a really beautiful history and education behind you, and also you are serving in so many different dynamic ways. Do you want to just share with our listeners a little bit about you know your journey into coaching and and kind of what fuels you to continue to serve educators from this vantage point. I started out as a teaching assistant, moved into being a teacher, worked as a high school administrator in the area of instruction. A short time at the state department, working as um, a consultant for middle and high schools, and then at that time my work nationally started to grow, and I just felt that it was time to leave the safety and security of um, the state retirement system and go out on my own and start a business. I felt that was where I was being called. And um, it was truly a leap of faith, Sarah, to do that. But that's what I felt I needed to do. And uh, that has resulted in me getting to work with some of the best school systems in the country and beyond, and some of those who are struggling to be better. I, I have loved every single minute of that work. Um, you know, I have the sincere privilege of coaching instructors and leaders on an island of, called Saipan that is over near Guam. 
And while I was over there, a little boy um, looked at me. He looked up from doing his work as I was walking into his classroom and he found out where I was from. He said, do you really think I'm worth it to come this far to help me? And, and that just brought tears to my eyes. And I said, absolutely. And it just, he taught me so much in that moment that children are worth it. They're worth every ounce of energy we can give to improving an educational system so they can have a better life. And at, at the heart of my work, that's what it's all about is just making sure we have the best learning experience for children. So I get to coach teachers and I get to coach administrators to, to, to make the learning experiences for students and the learning environments for students better. And I am just so thankful for that. It's a really beautiful story you just shared. And I can tell how uh, passionate you are about it and can hear kind of the emotion in your voice about that. And so it sounds like you're on the exact right path for your um, gifted passions and skills and talents, which is really awesome. And I love how you, how you, connected this leap of faith, you know, leaving the safety net of those organizations to just do this and pursue this passion. So I can really, really appreciate what that has taken. And along the journey, you've also gone ahead and written a book. Do you want to talk about Coaching Redefined and maybe what got you um, interested in doing that and just a little bit about what our listeners could expect when they choose to pick that awesome book up? (laughs) Sure. So Coaching Redefined was... uh, another kind of leap of faith for me. It was uh, 10 years in the making of people trying to encourage me to write on this topic and me not feeling like I was ready. And finally, um, I, I was reading work from Mark Batterson that talked about it doesn't matter how the world accepts it. If, if you're being called to do it, you need to do it. And and that's where I just said, okay, I'm going to write this book. Uh, I've been incredibly blessed with the response that it has received so far, and I just cannot wait for what the future holds with this book. But the, the reason I finally buckled down to do it was because um, of the need I was seeing in coaching in schools. One is that we don't always honor the amount of leadership that it takes to make instructional improvements in school in a sustainable way. So Coaching Redefine has this leadership aspect to it. It has an also a piece about building relationships with those that we serve, whether that be the community, the teachers in the building, the students, anybody that's within that organization. And then it also has the content of if you're wanting to make instructional improvements in your school, what content should you be looking for? How should you be looking for that content? What are the best practices surrounding that? So those three strands together, um, the leadership, the relationship piece, and the content piece is something that I had not seen woven into a book so that administrators could see themselves as instructional leaders through coaching and those who are deemed instructional coaches could see themselves as leaders as well. I, um, I've just 
tried to to pull those pieces together in a way that uh, they could see how their school could be turned into a, a learning organization um, for sustainable growth. Well, that sounds awesome. And um, anybody who's ever tried to enter into any type of coaching relationship uh, would understand that it does take all three of those components. Uh, and I love that that piece. And so thank you for doing that and for putting that out into the world. And that's been around for approximately a year, right? You're going to have your anniversary here this, uh, well, yeah, by the time this episode goes out, it'll have been a year, correct? Yes, that's right. It'll be almost a year perfectly. So I'm, I'm excited to be in a coaching series um, coming out in June. Yay, that's awesome. So, okay, when it comes to coaching, what do you think has been maybe the most challenging um, piece to growing your own personal skills in coaching? Because it's not, it's a, it's a wonderful experience to be able to be a coach. But what do you think creates um, maybe the most challenge and then also the most joy from serving in a role of a coach, whether it's with students or, or teachers or principals, what has been your, what has been your experience there? I don't know um, if I would call it the greatest challenge, Sarah, but one thing that I think that we misunderstand often in coaching is the idea of resistance. And the resistance has always had this negative connotation connected to it for whatever reason. And what I have found in my work is that resistance is not always a bad thing. Resistance, if teachers are resisting to change or if the leaders that I'm coaching are resisting to change, sometimes it's a really great red flag to just stop and reflect that I may not be on the right path or I may not understand everything correctly. So um, it, it's an opportunity to stop and listen more and dig deeper. And I love Chip and Dan Heath's work in this area. Um, I brought it into my book because of that, just their components on why people are resistant to change and how we can coach them through that. But I think that's been one of the biggest aha moments for me. And then I also see it in the coaches and leaders that that I coach is when they understand that resistance can protect us from going down a wrong path with an individual that changes our perspective. I really, really like that um, observation. And I think it's something to consider pulling apart a little bit, because when you think about, I think about this. Um, I think you said the role of the coach is to do more listening, you know, to determine where you need to go with a particular person and that resistance. We think, oh, people don't want change. So they're not, you know, of a growth mindset, but you're finding that um, there's more to that resistance. And it might be that that's not supposed to be their path. And just because you deem it one way doesn't mean that it, that it should go. Is that correct? Is that kind of what you're getting across Yes, that is correct. And and that we might need to step back and listen a little more and learn a little more. Um, there, there are many reasons that people are resistant. Sometimes they've been through 12 leaders in five years. Sometimes uh, they're battling cancer. Sometimes, you know, there's just all kinds of reasons that are just not so black and white that, that we seem to try to make it sometimes, you know, growing is hard and changing is hard um, for all of us. I mean, just look at 
this situation that we're now in. It's not an easy process, but it's something that is necessary to keep moving forward. How we help people move forward, though, may need to change. In my book, I talk about always starting with a listening tour. And um, that's sometimes when we get called in to coach, and I know you do some coaching as well, Sarah, when we get called in to coach, people are just anxious to hear our uh, viewpoint on things and, and what we would do. And sometimes I will slow schools down to say, let's start with a listening tour and and bring in the voices of students and teachers, admin and business leaders to find out their perspective because all of those pieces of the puzzle matter as we're moving a school forward. And we have to learn to listen to those because they are speaking whether or not we're listening to them. (laughs) What a good point. Uh, They're speaking whether or not we're listening to them. And so I love this uh, that you said that you started with that um, listening piece of it and taking a tour. What a good way to look at it. And also that is accurate. I have not been coaching nearly as long as you. And I do find one of the key distinctions that I needed to make not only in my own world, but for those that I get the pleasure of working with is there's a difference between a coach and a consultant. Um, And so is that something that's kind of prominent in your mind that you'd like to explain um, to the listeners? Right. So there's time for consulting as a coach, right? Sometimes there is a, a point where people do want to hear our perspective. And because we get to work with so many schools and get to see so many things, that doesn't make us smarter. That just means that we we can have an opportunity to bring those experiences back to other schools. Um, So there's a time that I will offer those suggestions, but I will also tell a school, you always trump me. I never want to be seen as being above you. You are this leader of this organization. My role is to make you stronger. And um, th- so I'm, I'm always trying to help them grow, help them think um, in ways that will benefit their organization. And uh, that's where the coaching piece comes in. But then if they want to know the research, I want to be ready for that too. And that's why in my book, I talk about it's so important to stay strong in your content and know good content um, because that's a way you can serve your schools. But you also have to understand it's not a perfect formula. All schools have their own culture and those are all unique. Every person you coach is unique, which is what I love about it. But um we have to be adaptable to that. Right. And so that's so great because um, when when I asked you the challenges, I was thinking about that because, uh, and it's like um, any type of coach. I think about uh, my husband is a, a football coach and I consider the dynamics that it takes to coach a team and coach the individuals on the team. And also as a head coach, you're working with your assistants. And so it's a really, really cool school um, set of skills that you've been able to develop and share in this book that you've written because those are the challenges. They're so, you, you're that big differentiation word in education. You're doing that <laughs> um, every time you work with any new organization. 
All right. You have to. I love that you said that that's what you love about it too, because I was getting, you know, I was asking you what your joy was in that because what keeps you fueled up and, and let's be honest, anybody that's listening, that travel is not sexy. Uh, you know, people, they'll, they'll, people get excited about the idea of jet setting around on an airplane and traveling to and from schools and, and all these locations, but that's exhausting work. You know, you're traveling is exhausting. You have so many different details to think about. And though it can be wonderful, it's not like you're out and about sightseeing everywhere you go either. You know, if, if I'm assuming correctly and your schedule is what it was, you're just going from place to place and you're working, you know, it's not like you're on leisure. So what keeps you passionate about wanting to do that and to continue serving in that way? Yeah, you you see posts of beautiful places, but you never see posts about when you get to the hotel at 2 a.m. and the electricity of the hotel's out or their fire alarm goes off five times in the middle of the night. You're all, you know, those kind of things, do you? So uh, <laughs> it, it is interesting. I definitely do not do it for the travel or the miles, but I do it for children. You know, Sarah, education is made such a difference in my life. And I'm very thankful for the great educators that I had who inspired me to, to grow and to become the person I am. And I think about the shoulders that I'm standing on frequently. I'm thankful for that. And I want each and every child to have that same opportunity. I was the first one in my family, my immediate family to graduate from college I'm thankful for the educators who I've met along the way who who were able to help me know that I could do that. And I, um, I just, when I'm in a classroom and I see that child who was me, uh, I just want them to have those same opportunities. That's really what keeps me going is knowing that these children have so much potential and sometimes we do not respect all that they are and all that they can be and all that they can contribute to the world. And they are, they're just so full of joy and a desire to learn that uh, I want us to have the education system set up that supports that and helps them to thrive. That's what keeps me going, honestly. That's such a beautiful response. And I think one that we can lose sight of when, you know, and when we move into roles away from the classroom, it would be so easy to lose track of the students because you're so inundated working with the adults and that presents its own joys and challenges and your mission and your passion can be uh, focused on the adults for them. But it really comes down to always why it's a trickle. And I love how you said that we don't always respect their contributions to the world. When I think about uh, my own kids and I think I'm just flashing with all of the students in my mind throughout the years and just realizing that we, um, we have that opportunity no matter what role we serve in education. And I really appreciate that you brought it back to the students. It just makes me smile. I can't stop beaming thinking about all of the students that you've impacted over time with all of the work you've done with the adults that are holding them. And so thank you for that passion and that mission. Well, Sarah, um, the, this administrator did not even know how much their comment touched me. But this year, I was uh, one of the administrators I was coaching. When we came out of a classroom, they told me, said, 
my work with you has completely changed the way that I look at classrooms. Said I usually, I used to go in and sit down and watch the teacher and what the teacher said and what the teacher did. And now I sit with the students and I talk to them and I ask them about the work that they are doing. And that totally changed my perspective of what was happening in the classrooms. And I think we have to get back to that, that moment of, how is this feeling to students? And, you know, when we go back to school, that's going to be even more important. Um, we know that social emotional learning was a, a need before we left the buildings. I think it's going to be an even greater need when we go back to the buildings, not only of students, but of teachers and quite frankly, of administrators as well. We are going to be juggling much more than before and we have to pause and listen and reflect and learn to move forward. I love what you're saying on all of that. And what a gift that the administrator you're working with shared that with you. And I think it's a journey for all of us. And and uh, if you don't mind me selfishly stepping in a moment and saying, you know, I think about my journey as a principal and um, well, and as a teacher too, when I had principals come in to look at my work, it did always feel very teacher, you know, kind of focused. And when I've watched principals who are just highly engaged, you know, when they've been in the classrooms and they've been talking to the students over and over again, no matter the size of the school they serve, because the students are comfortable and um, used to those questions and used to, and the teachers are used to the principal coming in and just being a part of it. And it's just a really beautiful um, culture that can be built there. And I suppose if if you've been if the organization is not focused in that way, it would be really easy to forget that that is really the goal. Um, and so I also really value what you said too about having this focus when we come now and when we come back, right? Like this this big question mark sits in all of our bellies and all of our minds and our hearts, those of us that are you know, into the education world and those that are listening who aren't in education, who have children or nieces and nephews or neighbors that are school-aged kids that we know things are so different for them right now. And how are we going to be different? How are we going to work hard to make sure that they still have a learning opportunity, but that we can adapt and pivot to the new needs that are going to come that are going to be even more amplified um, when they get back into our buildings again? I mean, it's just, it is, it's a kind of mind numbing. <laughs> I know one of the things we talked about in the pre-chat is you got to be thinking and thinking, but at some point you got to be doing, and I don't know for any of you listeners out there, but that's just constantly running through my mind is what do we do when we're back? What is our going to be our focus when we're back? How are we going to welcome when we're back? That's right. And, and to go back to your administrator point, you know, when we think about state assessments, and, and I don't want to dwell on state assessments, but we see when we walk into classrooms that teachers do things to prepare students for state assessments. And so sometimes that stress is just gets in the way of actual student learning. And administrators have been trained to do teacher evaluations. And those teacher evaluations have forced them most of the time to look at that teacher that's a, but doing evaluations and doing coaching of teachers is so different. And we have to be able to help leaders separate those two so that they can help teachers grow and walk beside them as they grow and, and pivot their 
coaching of teachers as they grow instead of it just being an endpoint of that evaluation. Oh, thank you for saying that because um, I've lived and breathed in an organization that was very much non-coaching, very much evaluative. And every time I think back to those days, I know why it was so dissonant because I craved to be a leader with the coach approach. My good friend, Jessica Johnson is the one who started inspiring me that way. Um, you know, I, I have to, as a principal, I had to evaluate, of course, there's a time and a place for that, but I always craved the ability to coach my teachers. And I will, you know, publicly say, I don't think I ever fully got an opportunity to get there given the system that we had in that particular organization. So just you being the person to say, we need to um, acknowledge that principals have been trained that way and there is a better way to work with our with our learning communities. So I really value that you brought that up. Thank you for that. Privilege of, of coaching a teacher in um, Hawaii. And as I was introducing my role and what I was to do um, in that coaching role, the teacher just teared up and they said, I've never had somebody offer to walk beside me as I tried these things. They've always come in and just told me what to do, but never really let me problem solve with them. And that's the difference between coming in and just evaluating and coming in and coaching and teachers need coaching. We all need coaching, Sarah. We can all um, benefit from somebody helping us to think forward and um, to bring out the best in us. And I I just, um, I truly believe in the power of coaching for every human, quite frankly. Agree. Um, And I think the best coaches are coachable and willing to take that. And I actually, it's interesting because I've thought about a lot about this. And so I say it's not quite in that line, but if we want to grow, we, if to be a leader and grow, we need to seek it and not know. And I think that's so hard because sometimes for those, um, administrators that are listening and kind of feeling, I don't know what you're feeling right now, but it's, it's important that whatever it is, you're kind of embracing that, but just realizing that I think sometimes we've been so pressured to be the knowers. And I actually realized this too, to be honest, when the shift in education occurred, where we've been working on having our practices go from teaching to learning, you know, that that's a shift. And a lot of my veteran teachers that were trained up were trained to be the fountain of knowledge. And so one of the major challenges that they faced was when I was coming in and saying, look, we got to give it more into the hands of our students. We need to, um, let's talk about how we can help them have more voice and choice. The very vulnerable conversation I'll never, ever forget was, look, I... I have to know the answers. <laughs> That's how I was taught to be a teacher. And so it was kind of like a a pivotal moment for me to realize that's accurate. Most of us were, we were taught that we needed to know the content in and out through and through, and we weren't taught how to coach our students to learning either. And so I just think it's, it's one of those things where it's very cyclical. If we can learn to be coached, um, then we can coach those we work with. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. I recently wrote a blog on how to hire an instructional coach, and that's what I lead off with is, are you coachable in a story uh, from that? But I absolutely think that we all have to be coachable. And I also think that education needs have changed from that content piece. Uh, one of the things I talk about in my, my book is the, the skills from the World Economic Forum that they're telling us that the business world needs students who are coming out as critical thinkers, 
creative. They are able to coordinate with others. They have emotional intelligence and, and uh, I, I list all of those skills in my book, but I don't know about you, but I don't know of many schools that can go, can tell you how the students are able to coordinate better in the third grade than the fifth grade or the eighth grade or the ninth grade, like that continuum, how they're coaching students to coordinate better, how they're coaching students to be more creative. We give them experiences, but we're not necessarily coaching them to grow in these areas. So I do think there's a disconnect from just content knowledge to these soft skills that um, the business world's telling us students need to be strong in these. And quite frankly, I think um, this virtual learning piece has made that even um, more uh, prevalent that they, they need these strong skills so that they're able to to work on their own. Yes, yes, for sure. I, I know that that's been an interesting conversation in our household too, in regard to the type of work um, that my student, my kids have been getting amazing work home. And so they're not just Googling answers, but I know that that that's a significantly a piece of it with the advent of the internet and how quick we are to be able to easily access those lower level questions um, for those educators are thinking about like, um, you know, <laughs> assessments. So, so good. Okay. I think we could geek out just a little bit too much if we keep talking. So I'm going to have to <laughs> circle back our conversation. <laughs> um, so Sherry, it's been such a joy chatting with you. Uh, clearly you are in the right space. You have found your calling, this coaching. I'm so excited for my listeners to have heard about your book um, and those that are, you know, able to schedule in organizations that they might be able to engage with you to engage your services because you're clearly focused on exactly what we need to be in education. But I have two standard questions as a person here that I'd like to hear from you if you're ready to answer them. Sure. All right. So the first one is, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? I think the um, advice I would give myself is to believe in the potential that other people saw in me. And that, that is something that I frequently find myself saying to other individuals now, but and, and one of the reasons that I, I love coaching and I think we all need a coach is because other people can, from the outside, see how you are designed in a special way and you not realize it because it's so normal to you. So to hear others tell me about my creativity or uh, my passion for learning, those were just normal to me. But uh, and, and my potential for leadership, I had to grow into accepting that. And I wish I had accepted that a lot sooner in life. So uh, to, to those young, younger people, and especially to those girls out there who are questioning um, their unique giftedness, embrace it and be thankful for it and learn how to grow with that so the world benefits from it. I love that advice and so true um, that those signature strengths are such a, a gift to us and hopefully we can recognize them. And so I think you should definitely have that letter uh, ready to go um, to share with the world. <laughs> so thank you for, for sharing it. How about this one? Um, if our listeners find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, what do you think you could say to them to help them rise up out of it? I think that's normal. We all have fears in life. So that, I think just knowing that 
fear is um, something you're going to face, it's kind of like that resistance thought. It's okay. Push through it. I like to coach my people to think about what's the worst thing that can happen. And, you know, as, as I was leaving the state retirement system, I had to think about that. So what's the worst thing that could happen to me if I tried this? But to push through whatever fear that is in their way so that those unique qualities of themselves and unique gifts can be shared with the world, Sarah. I truly believe we are stronger with all of those unique qualities woven together. And and I sometimes, you know, fear is one of those things that holds a lot of people back. And I sometimes wonder what the world would be if we didn't have that um, unhealthy fear that kept us moving towards our strengths. What a better world we would live in. So push through those fears would be my advice and to just consider what's the worst thing that could happen and and face it. Spoken like a true coach. What is the worst thing that could happen? (laughs) That's good. I love it. Well, Sherry, it's just been such a joy being able to have this conversation with you long overdue. And what a gift that I get to share it with the In Awe community. Would you just let us know um, what is the best way if listeners want to get a hold of you? Of course, I'll link it all in the show notes. But if if you could just let us know what is What's the way that is the best? Sure. You, they can email me at sherry at reflecttolearn.com or my website is reflecttolearn.com. I'm on Twitter. That's where I'm most active at uh, Sherry St. Clair. No period in the St. Clair. That's what uh, throws people. And, and I'm also on, on Facebook, pretty active there. Uh, that, that's one thing I've tried to set up during this time at Sherry St. Clair. Um, so, but if, if they... I need to reach out. I'm happy to talk anything around coaching. I love it, Sarah. And thank you for the honor of this. I love your book, love your podcast, and um, you have definitely enriched my life. So thank you for that. Well, likewise. And listeners, I will be sure to make sure that you are able to get to those links really quickly. And Sherry, what a blessing you've been. Thank you so much for your service to this world. And I just wish you the very best as we keep moving it forward. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.